Hunter Biden crashes an oversight committee hearing and Nancy Mace and Marjorie Taylor Greene put a magnifying glass on what exactly our representatives hope to accomplish during their time in government. Is Speaker Mike Johnson on the way out? He was just installed, but Representative Chip Roy has raised the idea. We take a look at that situation. DEI takes to the AIR, Southwest Airlines, Alaskan Air, and a ground control operator phone call that just mm, it's it's interesting and donald trump during a town hall with fox news answers a question from a pro-life voter and once again the former president leaves a lot to be desired all of that today on the palmetto family matters show Welcome in. It's Friday, January 12th, the year of our Lord, 2024. Ding. This program is brought to you by iBelievesc.net. If you want to get your I Believe license plate today, you can do it. iBelievesc.net. A lot to get to. We're going to go rapid fire here. The House Oversight Committee held a hearing. Hunter Biden made an appearance at the hearing. It was not anticipated that he would be there. This is, of course, after dodging a subpoena. He appears, he doesn't take questions from the staff or from the committee members. He does sit in the front row with his lawyer and and other, another person. Here's uh, a clip from that. Here's a South Carolina 1st Congressional District Representative Nancy Mace asking some questions, and, and we'll discuss it. Uh, we would have, time's expired. We would have loved that. Do any other clients. members wish to be heard? Mr. Chair Mr. recognizes Ms. Mace from South Carolina. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, Chairman Comer. Um, first of all, my first question is, who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You hear and M- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, um, if the, the, the gentle if the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from I'm Hunter speaking. Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of law. Come on, come on. And the premise that the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. Chairman. So I have a couple of issues with Representative Mace here, and that that, that shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. Um, I don't like it when supposed conservatives use the talking points of the left. Hunter Biden is not an example of white privilege. He's an example of affluenza. He's an example of affluency, of privilege, based on his last name and political connections. Then, of course, we bleeped it out, but she asked if he had the fortitude, the manhood. Intestinal fortitude. Intestinal fortitude. Guts or something like that. Yeah, something like guts uh, to to be here. Uh, So... She is basically the mom in Mean Girls. Like, I'm not a normal mom. I'm a cool mom. Wow. Right? I'm a I'm a cool representative. It, it, it is it's truly, annoying. It is truly uh, Representative Mace, Congresswoman Mace, being Congresswoman Mace here. 
And then and then she continues with the leftist talking points. Can a can a woman can a woman speak here? Can a woman speak here? Stop it. I Stop. think it's inter- I think it is an interesting turn of play here how she does use the left talking points against them. Uh hey, you know, you said women are allowed to speak here, and then of course Marjorie Taylor Greene, which we're gonna hear from in just a second, says something very similar to that. Yeah, let's go ahead. Can we go ahead and play that yeah, real quick? Let her rip take here's, a chip. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. And this is also a coward that sat right here in front of me. Okay. She's right. using Sailor, Sarah Palin's line there, right. you know, the difference between a hockey mom and a bulldog's lipstick. Yeah, you're afraid of a strong conservative. It's lipstick. Um, <laughs> listen, this goes to the point of why these hearings happen. It is not to craft legislation. It is not to lead our country in a virtuistic, moral, moral good-standing way. It's to get sound bites and to get campaign footage mm-hmm. and to blather on. Did you hear? And, and you can't see it, obviously, but did you hear what was happening as he was leaving? It was literally like a bunch of school children. Like, oh, oh, I can't believe. Oh, stop. Lead. Lead. I, I, I'm so serious. America is longing for leaders. Absolutely. Leaders. And have been for some time. And we don't have any. We have people in positions of leadership, but we don't have leaders. We have people at the federal level and at the state level whose only objective, objective, if you will, is to seek How clever is you? to seek the limelight, is to seek the clicks, is to get trending on X, or to have their videos go viral on the YouTubes. That's their only objective, and it's so annoying. But then it's all wrapped up by one member of the press. After Hunter Biden leaves the committee room, a reporter asks a question that, well, has been on a lot of our minds. Could you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? If there is not a more obvious thing and an obvious way that our country is going, it's that one. It's that one. Well, yeah, and it and it, it appeals to the lowest common denominator. There sure. is that, was that journalism at all? That was journalisming. Yeah, it, it's the gotcha. Ha 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 ha. It's a it's a vain or awful attempt at being humorous. Sure. Um, and it was it Infowars. That's a better question. <laughs> really, all it is is it's the kid in the back of the class that keeps interrupting people. Um, <laughs> And we allow it to happen. Yes, we do. Literally in the halls of Congress. Yes, we do. Because it's a circus. It's a sideshow. Speaking of the circus and sideshow, Axios has a report. Speaker Mike Johnson faces new threats. A group of rebellious right-wing House Republicans is pressing Speaker Mike Johnson to renegotiate the terms of his spending deal 
and threatening his job if he doesn't comply. The escalating revolt Johnson faces from his right flank bears a striking resemblance to the series of events to, that led to former Speaker McCarthy's ouster in October. Emerging from Johnson's office on Thursday, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene added to the list of hardliners hinting at a possible effort to remove Johnson, quote, I don't know that could be something, she said. Quote, if those deals are going to be made, then absolutely that's on the table. Green's comments come as Representative Chip Roy has raised the specter of an ouster attempt. Meanwhile, Representative Matt Gates, who introduced the motion to vacate against McCarthy and who literally argued it from the Democratic side of the House, has emerged as Johnson's closest right-wing ally. And when asked if he thinks that his colleagues would make good on the threat to oust him, Gates said, I do not. Green and other hardliners who were negotiating with Johnson after blocking a package of Republican bills on Wednesday said their current demand is that Johnson initially renege on his deal and advance appropriations bills that would cut spending. I think the goal is to possibly find a new path forward on spending, said Representative Eli Crane of Arizona. Representative Bob Good of Virginia, chair of the right-wing House Freedom Caucus, said there was, quote, 100% consensus in the room with everyone who was meeting with the speaker that the deal is terrible for the country. Representative Ralph Norman of South Carolina said, quote, we have a different plan, saying he believes Johnson understands that, quote, the present deal will not work. The spending deal would set government spending for this year at 2023 levels, the same top-line spending number agreed to in a bipartisan debt ceiling deal last year, which has angered right-wing lawmakers who have spent this congressional session waging a heated and so far unsuccessful fight for deep spending cuts. Compounding matters is that the government is uh, funding is set to run out on January 19th, and Johnson will likely need to pass a short-term spending bill, which will certainly further enrage his right-wing detractors. The split control of Congress, with Republicans controlling the House and the Democrats controlling the Senate, means a bipartisan deal is the only realistic way to pass annual appropriations bills. Congress cannot pass appropriation bills without the votes of House Democrats. It's a mistake to reopen the framework, said one House Republican. I'm hopeful we can find agreement on some other other details. Speaker Johnson told reporters, quote, we're having thoughtful conversations about funding options and priorities. While those conversations are going on, I've made no commitments, end quote. Here's the situation. Many argue that Speaker Johnson's deal is worse than the one that Kevin McCarthy made. Yeah. And... I believe that the House has a more conservative speaker than they did in October, personally. Uh, yeah. But you're in a no-win situation here when it comes to, A, government spending, and B, I would just like to remind everyone, while the House might be controlled by Republicans, the majority is two. Yeah, it's a razor-thin majority. And, correct me, the Senate is controlled by Democrats? Uh, yes. And the President is a Democrat. I just want to make sure I have everything... Correct. I, I I don't want to be wrong here. In other words, Democrats still control the executive branch, and for that matter, as legislation traditionally passes through the legislative branch, the legislative branch as well. Yes. And, yes. And your razor-thin majority in the House can be quickly and easily overcome. I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think <laughs> I hate to quote her, but I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene who said, and it sounds kind of cold and callous, but it's also real, I hope no one dies. Uh, I was talking with a congressman just a couple of weeks ago. Weird flex, I guess. Yeah. And I we we kind of joked about it, but it's real. I, I hope that no one in the Republican majority right now, uh, and and once again we're nonpartisan, but let, let's just say it this way: I hope no one in the conservative majority just you, you know like get oh, Lord God forbid gets hit by a bus or you yeah. know 
It's something like that. It, Don't it, get sick during an important vote. Yeah. You got to be there. That's all just in the Congress. Let's move to the airlines. Oh, boy. Uh, this is uh, are they losing ba- Are they losing bags again? Training at Alaska Air has employees pledged to support DEI and says that misgendering and microaggressions fall under harassment. So what is harassment according to Alaska Air? Well, you've got sexual harassment. You've got racial harassment. Alaska's commitment to diversity and inclusion means every employee has the right to live as his, her, their authentic self. No employee should be pressured to share their personal pronouns. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that was a badge of honor. I thought displaying your pronouns was a badge of authenticity. To foster an inclusive environment and to strengthen a feeling of belonging, leaders, coworkers, and allies are encouraged to share their personal pronouns during introductions at meetings, in their email signatures, business cards, or wherever they feel comfortable doing so. But back to the original point, no one should feel pressured. So no one should feel pressured, but all of you are encouraged to do it. Mm. Make, make sense of that for me, if you will. Uh, you have to check this box. Uh, on this program, if you're working for Alaskan Air, by checking the box below, I certify that I'm aware of how to support the diversity, equity, and inclusive culture at Alaska and Horizon. I am aware of my obligation to recognize a microaggression and how to be an ally. Do they tell you what a microaggression is in this? I am aware of the resources and opportunities available to help me be an inclusive team member. I am aware that we are not all at the same spot in our DEI journey and will continue to seek to understand and learn to be better. Um, It might be, oh, here it is, Uh, use of racial or ethnic slurs, including the use of antiquated terms to describe race, making comments about current social or political events that inappropriately refer or relate to race. So you can say black lives matter, but you can't say all lives matter. A brief yet frequent comments or behaviors that express a prejudiced attitude towards individuals of of a particular race or ethnicity and may intentionally or unintentionally be offensive, commonly referred to as microaggressions. So while you might not intend it to be offensive, if it is offensive, that's a microaggression. Now, Alaska Air is wanting you all to be good little boys and girls and make sure you don't do anything wrong. And to do that... They hold an event oh, at an day. airport. Um, just uh, we'll listen um, and and try to describe what's happening here. Gay, gay, gay. 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 When I say gay, you say gay, 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 gay. When I say gay, you say gay, 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 gay. Pretty girls walk like this, 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 this. Pretty girls walk like this, 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 this. All the pretty girls walk like big boss fit. Pull up in the bed. We got drag, drag they queens. Pride, they did a pride pretzels. flight. I, I'm sorry, cheeses. Oh, that's. I'm oh, glad that's we, disgusting. I'm, I'm glad we didn't show that video. Yeah, no kidding. Um, here's here's real quick. Can you just fly my plane? Get me to point B from point A safely. I don't care how many. Don't let the doors rip off. I don't care how many. Yes, we have planes with doors flying off. No of offense them. to any South Carolina companies. Um, no, Boeing, get your crap together. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm sorry. 
We, this is this will we're kill more people. worried about rainbow ties and paint jobs on airplanes and people dancing around an airport terminal saying gay you say gay here's here's the thing oh this will my. kill people what I've which part told, i've been told that that making sure children don't mutilate themselves will kill them I'm here to tell you. No, what'll kill him is the door's getting sucked off. Of the planes. shirt ripped off of a kid. Yeah. If now, we'd been sitting any closer, well, we'd have been was, gone. That was just a plug. If it was the actual door, we'd have had a bigger problem. The yeah. point is, this will kill people. This will, if you hire, I don't care whether the best candidate for the job is white or black or Asian or Latino or a man or a woman. If if you can fly my plane safely, you're hired. It's the same thing with a plumber. My toilet's going up. Make it go down. And and I'll say this, and this may be unpopular, and I'm working through this as I say it, kind of on the fly. But if you know, if you, I believe in the marketplace of ideas. I believe in a place where good ideas uh, are lifted and bad ideas go to die. If you, as an airline or as um, a bar and grill, want to hire a transgender person to represent your company, That's good your on choice. you. Good on you. Here's but you must like. also understand that you will deal with the positive or negative consequences of that action. If more people flock to your business because you have a drag show, okay. Congrats, I guess. If, if, if people leave... Okay, that you have to, under, and we live in a world, Justin, here's my dad soapbox for the day. We live in a world where people have dismissed the idea that there are no consequences, posit, consequences positively or negatively to their actions. So if I, if I do something and, it, and, it's, and it's good, mm-hmm. good things will happen. Yes. If I do something and it is a negative, it, bad things will happen. Yes. So, should we treat people kindly? Should we harass people? No. We should treat people kindly. No, we should not harass people. Right. Should we? Should silence be violence? No. no. Should, should hiring people of different persuasions be off limits? No. Right. But, I will say this. If you hire people that um, may not represent your company well, like someone dancing through an airport terminal. And and yeah. I won't give exactly what we saw at the end of that video, which was pretty doggone disturbing. But if you've got a man posing as a female, um, flaunting body parts that aren't naturally his, and then I'll say this word, jiggling them, that's not going to represent your company well. Well, ground um, off soapbox to ground control. <laughs> um, this this ground control. By the way, you're safe if you live in the southeast. This is pretty difficult to get at an Alaskan Airlines flight. So this is a recorded phone call, oh, or boy. this is a recorded radio transmission. Pardon me, not a phone call. Radio transmission. Ground control to the pilot. It just just listen to the snarkiness of the ground control employee, and listen to how they back up what they're requesting the pilot do. <laughs> short approach if you're going to do a power off 180. That's my point. Well, okay. I will remember that from now on. No problem. Yeah, when you ask for a short approach, I expect you to turn your base to beating the numbers. 
Uh, this one will be a full stop for 6-5 Charlie, and uh, maybe we need to talk about that some more because you're the first controller in 15 years that's ever said that. Well, I'm just, you know, I, I, if you ask for a short approach, a short approach is when you turn your base, I mean the numbers. If I know you're a student asking for a short approach, I know you're out there practicing and you probably will extend. But if you're doing something other than a short approach, don't ask for a short approach. Well, I will definitely look up the definition of short approach because I've never seen where it says you turn base of beam the numbers because I don't see how you could possibly do that. Well, I Googled it, actually. I Googled short approach, and it said to turn your base a beam or before the numbers, and you will land probably touchdown around midfield. Okay. Well, then uh, I apologize for requesting the wrong thing because uh, everywhere else, short approach means power off 180, but uh, that's definitely not what it means here. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've worked at different airports. I don't know. But just ask. Uh. I, I, you know what? When when I if I'm a pilot and I'm communicating with ground control, the number one thing I want to hear is, "Well, I just Googled it." And that sounds like some people. That's bad. Uh, you know, like when you've got a, a sore throat, yeah, and you WebMD it, <laughs> and all <laughs> it of turns a sudden, out you have good, like good news. I've got three weeks to live. Yeah. Bad news. They should have told me three weeks ago. Right. Um. So that that there's some problems. There's some problems with our DEI um, issues. Higher, higher people of merit. Earlier this week, um, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis participated in a Fox News, or excuse me, ooh, 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 careful, <laughs> CNN debate. The rules were determined by CNN. Okay. The RNC said, no, thank you. We're not involved. Wink, wink. And so it was just Nikki and DeSantis. Meanwhile, at the same time, Donald Trump was sipping Diet Coke with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. And a voter in the town hall in Iowa asked Donald Trump a very simple question. Here it is, and here's his answer. For me, it all comes down to this question. Okay. So between you, sir, President Trump, and Ron DeSantis, because you both talk a lot about pro-life, your record, and that's my number one issue and and the cry of my heart is justice for all people. And I've been, you know, vocal and celebrating with you all of your pro-life victories from the past. But then in this campaign, you've also blamed pro-lifers for some of the GOP losses around the country, and you've called heartbeat laws like Iowa's terrible. And so I'd just like some clarity on this because it's such an important question to me. I'd like for you to reassure me that you can protect all life, every person's right to life, without compromise. So that's a great question. I appreciate it, too. You wouldn't be asking that question, even talking about the issue, because for 54 years they were trying to get Roe v. Wade terminated, and I did it, and I'm proud to have done it. They wanted to get it back, right? You wouldn't be have that. There would be no question. Nobody else was going to get that done but me. And we did it, and we did something that was a miracle. When I walked onto the stage today, a gentleman in the back, probably works for Fox, nice guy, said, sir, I'd like to thank you. I said, for what? He said, you saved two million lives in the last three years. You saved two million lives. And I said, thank you very much. I knew exactly what he meant. Two million lives. And nobody's done more in that regard than me. Now, I happen to be, uh, for the exceptions, uh, like Ronald Reagan, with the life of the mother, uh, rape, incest. I, have, I just have to be there, uh, I feel. I think probably 78% or so, Paul, about 78%. It was Ronald Reagan. He was for it. I was for it. But I will say this. 
um, you have to win elections. Otherwise, you're going to be back where you were, and you can't let that ever happen again. You've got to win elections. Uh, if you look at it, Iran DeSantis, I don't know what he really believes, because, you know, you never know with a politician, and he's just another politician as far as I'm concerned. But uh, his poll numbers have gone down to a level that he's going to be out of the race very soon. He's going to be out very soon. You know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. Uh, and he's going to be out of the race within, you know, a lot of people say before, before New Hampshire. Uh, I don't know if that were the reason. I hope it wasn't the reason. I hope it's for other reasons. I can see a lot of other reasons why he shouldn't be. But he's doing very, very poorly. It happened to coincide with that. Because a lot of people say a lot of, you know, if you talk five or six weeks, a lot of women don't know if they're pregnant in five or six weeks. I want to get something where people are happy. You know, this has been tearing our, our country apart for 50 years. Nobody's been able to do anything. And again, you can only ask that question and you ask it brilliantly. And I understand exactly where you're coming from. I love where you're coming from. But we still have to win elections. And they've used this. Uh, you know, we have some great Republicans and they're great on the issue and you would love them on the issue. Uh, and a lot of them have just been decimated in the election, decimated. I mean, absolutely. So uh, we're going to come up with something that people want and people like. Uh, I would love you to. First of all, you have to go with your heart. OK, you have to go with your heart first. Go with your heart, your mind. Go with it. But you do also have to put in there a little bit. You have to win elections. But if it weren't for me with Roe v. Wade, you wouldn't even be talking about this. Up. You wouldn't be asking that question because we're right back. I remember this. They're the radicals. We're not the radicals because they'll kill a baby. Remember, I had the debate with crooked Hillary Clinton, which I don't call her crooked anymore. I use that now for Joe Biden, as you know. I call her beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. But <laughs> but in the debate with with Hillary Clinton, I said, I said, you know, She's willing to rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. And, you know, I never heard this. I, it happened to me. It just came to me during that debate. I didn't go up there thinking I was going to say that. And she even winced. Nobody wants to see that happening after a certain period of time. Nobody. They're the radicals because they're willing to kill the baby in eight months, nine months, or even after birth. If you remember the former governor of Virginia where he said, you kill the baby after the ninth month or even after it's you set the baby aside and you have a conversation with the mother and of the conversation. Can you imagine? But these are the radicals. We're not the radicals. We are not the radicals. But we're living in a time when there has to be a little bit of a concession one way or the other. And I think, uh, you know, I want to get I want to get it right. I have to get it right. But without what I did, you would never even be asking that question because there was no chance that that was going to happen. For 54 years, they campaigned on that issue and nobody pulled it off but me. So I think you're going to be happy in the end. Thank you very much. All right, let's, uh, thank you very much for that question. Let's go to uh, Bo. Um, what did he even say? A lot to break down there. Let's um, do it rapidly. Um, we could spend an hour on that. I could that. spend an hour on this answer he gave for 54 what, what years. Answer, he up and Justin, wrote, what answer did he give? Uh, me, 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 Yes, me, me, me. I did it. And again, I'm not trying to, it, load, to unload on him. I get it. I, if it. But if it weren't for me. Well, his Supreme Court nominees did become justices, and they were instrumental in their decision. And uh, yes. Now, to be fair, Samuel Alito wrote the lead opinion. He was put on the court by George uh, W. Bush. Yeah. Um, 
and clearance was put on by Reagan. He 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 draws a comparison to Reagan. I'm like Reagan. I'm like Reagan. We're four exceptions. I'm like Reagan. We're four exceptions. Okay, that's one point of clarification that he makes. Does he ever say what he's for? He's for a compromise. That's the uh, well. And notice he says you, it shouldn't be in the eighth or ninth month. But we have to win elections. He never mentions. Nikki Haley by name. He says that others are extreme on the that that liberals are extreme on the issue. We are not. However, in other words, he he's said, playing to the center. However, he says that heartbeat bills are wrong, terrible, and bad, to and use, terrible. To use the word in Iowa, terrible. And the only reason he said that is because uh, the governor of the state of Iowa endorsed the governor of the state of Florida, and both signed heartbeat bills within the last year. And they were both Carolina's terrible. Governor. Uh, Which is uh, interesting because he, he touts Henry a lot, too. Henry just signed one. Governor McMaster did sign one. We were there. We watched him sign it. It was a really exciting and encouraging event. Uh, my question, then, is when he calls out the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, with his nice little shoes. Ron um, sanctimonious. He says he's a typical politician. You never know what he's going to say. Uh, to be honest with you, Mr. Trump, I'm sorry. Let me, let me President. be deferent. President Trump. What are you saying? <laughs> well, to be also, I just want to make this interesting that, you know, no one views Donald Trump as a politician, yet he's been He's a in politician! The, yet he's been in politics now for almost nine years. I don't care. At the time, he was a politician. And, and email me, Mitch at palmettafamily.org. If, if you know me and you got my cell phone, please text. I'd be happy to talk with you. He was a politician the day he rode the Golden Elevator in 2015. That'd be nine years. Period. He was a politician then. He was a politician back when he was giving money to these people on both sides. He was a politician sides. when he was president. He was a politician <laughs> when he was president. And he is the quintessential politician who can't give a straight answer right here and right now. Because the answer, and if he had coaches on this kind of stuff, they'd be squirming, they'd be writhing. But I don't know if he has coaches. I well, think he ran a terrible. Well, he ran a terrible ground game in 2015 and 2016, and he won. His ground game is still not great, and he's he's this is fly by the seat of my pants type stuff. That answer is that answer is one where you get up off the stool, you walk toward the lady. He does thank her for the question, but you give a heartfelt response in which you clearly articulate a position that shores up your right. I'm, I'm, and I'm speaking political strategy right now. You don't back away from it and try to work toward the center. That's not going to help you right now. not in now. a primary. Now, he knows that he's in got the, general, the primary sewn This up. is an answer for he's the general. He's already playing the general. That's fair. But here's the issue. As long as he continues to do that, the couch vote is growing. Yes, People who would typically vote for him in the general are saying, if you're not going to stand for life, if you can't articulate a heartfelt position on life here and now in the quote-unquote primary season, I may just sit on the couch and watch the election results come in. I'll say this as we close, because this is one that I've, I've said multiple times as we close the show. I'm looking for one presidential candidate when asked the question about abortion and pro-life issues to simply say this. I will be a pro-life president. That means that as president of the United States and as the leader of the free world, I will work to ensure that the United States of America once again returns to a culture of life. And that means protecting all life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. And we will continue to make progress and build upon the work that has been done by the pro-life community for over 50 years. And as president, I will seek to help other pro-life candidates win their races in state houses, in the halls of Congress, in the House of Representatives, in the Senate. I will appoint pro-life 
people to my cabinet, and we will transform the United States of America back into a, a country that has a culture of life. And I will work tirelessly, amongst other things, to be the president that secures every human life is protected from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death with no exception. I'd vote for you. That's that's the answer I want to hear. And I believe that's the answer that many Americans want to hear as well. We look forward to talking with you next week. That's all the time we have on our Friday edition of the show. Thank you so much for listening to the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina this week. We'll be back next week with more legislative updates and more news from around the country. Until then, for our entire staff at Palmetto Family, I'm Justin Hall. That's Mitch Prosser. We will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.